Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. Well, this is the time of year. It's always interesting to watch it develop. It develops every year. You can watch it uh, by watching the, the news and the things that come about as people get ready. This is the, you know, they talk about the busiest travel day of the year. Uh, there's great anticipation. Uh, that's still going on. There's some of you here, we're glad you're here, who have, you came to see family and you're here with them now. Uh, others of us who have gone and they're with family now somewhere else, and we trust uh, meeting together as well uh, on this Lord's Day. With the anticipation of, and some obviously are probably in all the transportation right now of getting back home, uh, but it, it's all about visiting. It's all about uh, going and then and then coming back, and which is why. Uh, it's appropriate that we talk about uh, we talk about the visiting of the Lord. As Frank well handled the fact that Jesus died for us, we also recall that Jesus had to come for us. And in the communion, we anticipate him coming back again for us. And that's part of the Advent season. Advent simply a word that means visit or coming and uh, anticipation of that coming. And much as, you, as the, uh, the first advent of Christ, the Messiah, we anticipate the second advent. And we do it by pondering, remembering that first advent. And the advent story in Scripture is the story of God's willingness, God's willingness to be vulnerable God's willingness to be fragile, to be breakable. Our creator being willing to be hurt by creation. Why? Well, to bring us back to himself, to rescue us, to redeem us. But I want you to realize the vulnerability, the vulnerability came through a birth. The message that stood out in the book of Ruth that we just finished a series on a couple weeks ago was that God breaks through a lineage filled with sin, with sinners, to redeem the cycle of sin. He dealt with sin through a redeemer. Ruth was redeemed and bore a son that became the grandfather of King David. And now... Mary will give birth to the Redeemer, the Savior of the world, who will reconcile this family line that Ruth is in and ultimately reconcile all of God's people back to himself. It's the stories of two ordinary women who were used by God for extraordinary tasks. Now, the way Mary is viewed has shifted to some extent. Maybe you're not fam familiar with this, maybe not aware of this, but, but the shift uh, in, in the view of Mary occurred about 500 years ago uh, as, as we moved what is known as medieval times into the Reformation. Mary was no longer viewed as holier than other people, as 
co-redeemer with Christ, as a mediator with God, as an intercessor for faith, but rather she became viewed as sovereignly chosen, as a practical example, a practical example of what faith should be. Mary cannot save you, but she points to how we ought to live out our salvation. The problem, as is in most shifts, in the shift that happened over those hundreds of years, we've tended to lose sight of who Mary really is. So I'm asking in this series, who is Mary? She's reviled by some, she's worshipped by others, but she has a unique motherhood, arguably the most unique We find her in the Gospels, all four Gospels. We find her in the book of Acts. She's in the birth narratives of Matthew and Luke. Interestingly enough, in that same book Frank read from, Paul, except for that book, Paul never mentions Mary, except in Galatians 4, verse 4, where he comes the closest to mentioning her when he says, God sent his son, born of a woman. That's as close as he gets. We know practically little about Mary, given her status, and yet she is the mother of Jesus, the Savior of the world. So let's consider the scripture texts that speak of her, most of which are in the four Gospels. But let's not just confine her to the birth narratives, because she is the only one to have witnessed both the birth of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus. Her role in Scripture is very important. She experienced the manger and Golgotha. Think about it. Mary is unlike any other person in the New Testament, especially when talking about the virgin birth of Jesus. But she's also like others in the New Testament. She is there to do one thing, to reveal something about Jesus. So let's consider the prominent roles of Mary. Today we want to look at her as servant. We sang some songs about being servant. And she was a, serpent, a servant, a willing servant. Open, open your copy of, of scriptures, if you would, to uh, Luke chapter 1. Take your phone, if it's on your phone, or if you brought your, your Bible with you. Open that, Luke chapter 1. I'll begin reading in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think, what could the angel mean? Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. 
And he will reign over Israel, God's people, forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how? How, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. She couldn't conceive, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Nothing will be impossible for God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. <clears throat> I remember when Lisa first told me that she was pregnant. We were excited. We, we had a little celebration together. And then I recall remembering, now what? You, got, you have about eight or nine months to think about it. And so we did. Now what? When Sarah was born, that miracle moment of birth, well, it's a beautiful thing. Because in it you find both vulnerability and intimacy. For intimacy to occur, you have to pass through vulnerability. To have an intimate relationship, you have to show vulnerability. God became flesh, became vulnerable so that we can know him intimately. Relationships don't deepen without vulnerability. No, no relationship of yours deepens without vulnerability. You, you cannot have a relationship with your child unless you're willing to give birth, right? God could not have a relationship with us unless he was willing to be born. And so Advent, the, the coming, the incarnation, is all about vulnerability, the most vulnerable moment of all, birth. Sometimes we, when we talk about God and we, we think about God, we, we only think of the way we see him in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, that describes him as a consuming fire. True. But God is also a newborn baby. Incarnation, in flesh, God with us, an infant. Taking on the likeness of humanity, God has chosen to come to us, to be vulnerable so that he can have relationship, we can have relationship with him. But why did this happen through Mary? That's the question. That's a fair question. Because willing servants of God accept the consequences of God's will. That's what we see in Mary. A willing servant there to accept the consequences of God's will. So Mary questions Gabriel in verse 34. A question, kind of like a request for more information. How is this possible? I'm a virgin. 
And there's, there's a response. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the, most, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will enable Mary to do something that is humanly impossible. And God himself will surround her with sovereign power. This is what happens. God's power from the outside, the Holy Spirit's power from within, and we get an unthinkable miracle. What, what can't happen will happen. God does the impossible. Now, how does she respond to this impossibility? I am the Lord's servant. Servant there is the word doulos, bondservant or slave. I am, the, I am one who will do whatever he wants. As the Son of God enters a virgin womb, this story is radical. A baby conceived by God the Holy Spirit. The controversy around this remains still today, and Mary is at the center of it all. But what we see is that God works in ordinary people with extraordinary faith or with faith that's in an extraordinary God. Who is Mary? Why should we even care? What is her place in the New Testament? Well, think about it. She was born, excuse me, she lived in an insignificant, inconsequential village called Nazareth, far from the religious epicenter where Zechariah met Gabriel, Jerusalem. In fact, in, in, in John's gospel, the first chapter, somebody says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's kind of the way people thought about Nazareth then. It was a town known for corruption, a town known for prostitution. And she's engaged to a man named Joseph, probably more than we mean by engaged. Uh, not probably, it is. It's more than being engaged. You can't break it off by simply saying, we're not engaged anymore. They were common, plain people. They were ordinary people, hardworking people, poor people. But both traced their ancestry back to King David. So what we see is that Jesus is not only legally adopted through Joseph, but physically born through Mary as a son of David and born to be Israel's true king. Amazingly, despite the poverty and despite, uh, despite of all of that, the, the lineage remains so that the prophecy we find in the Old Testament could be fulfilled. When Jesus began his ministry, people discounted him because of his family background. There's nothing special about the family, about the town. Uh, in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 6, the Pharisees, uh, after it says he left and came to his hometown, that's Nazareth, the, the, the Pharisees, uh, excuse me, not the Pharisees, but, the, but as he came in and confronted his own people, Jesus said to them, a, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own home. So first he's amazing people there, and, and, and then when they realize who he is, where he's from, they're offended by him. 
clearly a reflection of how the town was viewed, excuse me, and how that, that town viewed Joseph and Mary. They weren't anything special. Mary is insignificant in every way. In fact, her family is never mentioned. She's a young woman, likely late teenager, in a small, rough town with zero status. But Scripture still says, God favors you. God favors you. You see, your insignificance, your insignificance doesn't stop God from working in you for His glory and for His will. So you may be ordinary. So is Mary. What makes our faith extraordinary is the object of our faith, which here is a baby, God in the flesh, most vulnerable. Divine favor and human challenges tend to go hand in hand. God may favor you, but that doesn't mean now you're on easy street. That's not what it means. The will of God is not always easy. In fact, God will call you to do hard things. Greetings, favored woman, the angel says. God has chosen Mary for a special task, not an easy road. The angel says, don't be afraid because you have found favor with God. But favor with God does not eliminate having human troubles. Imagine, imagine being given this news. You're going to carry God's son. But the favor doesn't make her anything higher than before. She has no higher status than other people. She's just a young woman chosen by God as an instrument of his grace. And yet the favor becomes to her deeply troubling. So God shows his favor to Mary, but Mary's deeply troubled, confused, and disturbed. Now, some claim Jesus was illegitimate, child of a Roman soldier. Others question the truth of virgin birth. But without it, Jesus is not son of God, just another man. In fact, the attacks on Mary goes all the way back to her own time. In John chapter 8, verse 41, you find the Pharisees saying, We aren't illegitimate children, wink, wink, pointing at you. We aren't illegitimate children, Jesus. We weren't born from sexual immorality, Jesus. And it's, and it's an attack on Mary, basically saying, We don't believe this story of virgin birth. And yet, through Mary's disgrace, we see God's amazing grace. And as God did the impossible then, he does it now, drawing sinners to himself, the most unlikely. Do you see in the story, without the manger, there is no cross. Without the cross, there is no crown. Jesus isn't king. Of the universe. The Lord, the angel said, the Lord is with you, 
And this sums up the incarnation of Christ, God in flesh. It's how you and I are redeemed, rescued from sin, saved. Jesus the infant grows up to be Jesus the one who would minister to the people in his region, the one who would ultimately become the rescue, the rescuer of us all. Christ is our mediator. He took the weight of sin upon himself. His blood was given so that we might be forgiven. I hope you are truly deeply troubled today if you don't know Jesus. And the right response is the one you see in Mary, and that is willing to accept his grace. God works through his willing servants for the greatness of Christ. Mary didn't choose herself. She didn't choose the task for herself. She was chosen. And yet we see her willing consent to whatever God wants. Mary would be the first to tell us the story isn't about her. Who's it about? The angel tells us in verse 32. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel, God's people, forever. The king, his kingdom will never end. Mary? Mary was simply the vessel God used for his great purpose. We have the same calling as Mary. We can respond like Mary. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you spoke. The Advent story, the Advent story is one of vulnerability and intimacy. God is human infant, flesh. And to know him intimately, you have to pass through vulnerability. Jesus said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So accept Jesus for who he is. And Jesus will accept you despite of who you are. Would you let his will be done in your life today? Would you be a willing vessel in his hands. If you do not know him, are you willing to be vulnerable enough to be baptized into Christ, to be raised with him, to be born into his kingdom? The call is to you as we stand together and sing these songs. Thanks for listening. To stay up to date on news and other events, visit southplains.org. We also extend special thanks to our countless volunteers who make all of our ministries possible. And remember, engage, lead, and celebrate others.